0: to this week's episode of Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington, and I am going to try to get through this episode. I want you guys to know a couple things. I am at my office right now, which is in downtown, Um, so there is a, it's in the historic district, so sometimes a train goes by, you'll hear doo-doo, whatever. I try to stay focused and keep going through it so that I don't interrupt the um, episode, This is episode 1808 of Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. And the other disclaimer is that I am an attorney as well as a co-owner of a women's football team and I have a passion for women's football. So being an attorney, I uh, represent clients. I am an attorney in the state of Arkansas, but I'm not your attorney. Any of the information that you find in our Um, websites blogs Facebook pages any digital media any ebooks or regular books and any other articles um, is for informational purposes only none of the information that I provide here creates an attorney-client relationship Um, if you do need an attorney or if you're in a situation where you feel that an attorney is required you want to speak to an attorney that um, is knowledgeable in the topic of uh, law that you need resolution and is in the jurisdiction where you have your problem at. So asking somebody in California about a problem you have in Texas probably will give you a little bit of help but it is a no-no and you probably won't they probably won't know all the laws that uh, pertain to your issue. So this is episode 1808, and what is women's football success? I'm getting ready to transfer women's football success is a division of super small biz, which is my small business consulting area of my business. So I help super small businesses, usually zero to 10 uh, employees. I do solo entrepreneurs and small businesses, super small businesses is what I call them, if you've had a chance to read um, any of the reports that I've done or uh, been at a speaking engagement with me. Uh, women's football is a super small business uh, and it is, it, it's a really good uh, method or template model for uh, super small biz because women's football is several small businesses, several super small businesses inside one business. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to some of our episodes, I really didn't want to promote a lot of it before we had um, a few episodes of content. So I think now we probably have about eight to 10 hours of radio content. And then we've put some um, content on the website. Now I have it set up as supersmallbiz.com. And you can see it down there that I have a lot of business consulting stuff. And there's a tab there for women's football success we're probably getting ready to transfer that all out to its own website. So, um, but keep coming back here and we'll let you know if you need to go to a different location. Um, so if you haven't been following the radio show, I hope you guys like it and enjoy it. We have talked about several things and the radio show is more of a basic informational, Area for you guys to get a little bit kind of get your brains moving about women's football we've talked about player contracts we've talked about owning a team we've talked about um, naming your team concession stands corporate sponsors fan base today I'm going to be talking about a couple things I have lined out here I'm talking about team travel because this is a big big topic within women's football and I want to try and get again the foundational components of it. We are setting up a huge webinar, um, one of them for starting a women's football team, one for running a women's football team, and one for growing a women's football team. That way for different owners that are in different levels of success in women's football, those that are struggling, those that are doing okay, and those that are doing phenomenal, we have a bunch of different ones. And then we're also setting up webinars for support staff, coaches, and players. So we're super excited to unravel this platform and give this to you guys and give you guys opportunity to use these resources. Um, but it takes time. And as you can see from the disclaimer, um, I have a, I wear a lot of hats and I'm trying to get this information out to you as soon as possible. Um, If you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that we kind of fell back into women's football, thanks to Maria Spencer. Um, And we are rocking and rolling right now. Um, Just an update. So this episode, I actually do my episodes pre-recorded and try to get them done during my downtime. And so I'm actually recording this a little bit early, and then I send it off to BJ Coletta with with women's football and the, I guess it's now called the JC Hawk Network. Thanks for having our show on your network. So I pre record, she puts the episode on to the network. And then, so we are going into week 10 of the Women's Football Alliance uh, regular season. So I, I'm co owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team. We will be playing the Arlington Impact. I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly where. I know it's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but I know that there's been a stadium change, and I kind of just go with the flow. I show up to where I need to be. Um, I'm not the driver, so I don't know where I'm going. So uh, Dallas Elite versus the Arlington Impact. We're super excited about this game. It's a big, big game for both of us, if you guys have been following WFA Um, stats and getting ready for the postseason so my understanding and you can correct me if I'm wrong but this is a big game for both the impact and the elite if the elite beats Arlington then we go to Kansas City for our first playoff game which actually happens in week two of the playoffs If they beat us by more than three points, they go to Kansas City and knock us out of the playoffs. So this is a really big deal. I'm super excited. Um, I don't get into a lot of the football technicalities, the coaching details, um, but I'm. I know that our players are super excited. I know that the girls on the Arlington Impact are super excited. Um, We've been able to meet with them several. uh, Well, once this year already, but we've met with them in the past. And then when we owned um, the Lone Star Mustangs, they they were created. Um, so we wish them all the best of luck, of course. Not as much luck as we want, but we do wish them luck. Um, so we're super excited to see what happens um, here in a few days. And that will determine what happens, which is why I brought up the topics for today's episode. And I've we've created some infographics so we're going to talk about team travel options and we're going to talk about fundraising again and more um, towards event planning because a lot of women's football uh, teams have to deal with both all the time so let's get started I'm going to go ahead and start first with team travel Um, this is something that we as women football teams deal with a lot and it can be very expensive. And so I wanna kind of put this out there. If you've already been in women's football for a while, obviously you guys are aware of several, that there are several different options with transportation and each one offers different good and bad things. So um, we have an infographic there for the website that I'll put up. But uh, before I do that, I wanna talk about some different things. So. When it comes to women's football, we all know that uh, one of the major obstacles is financial. We don't have the large sponsors that other um, big franchises or big industries have. So we are still working on that. And again, we're going to have some more stuff on that, so that hopefully we can all work together and, and do this and, and create some of these big financial opportunities for women's football. But. There are three basic options for transportation when it comes to women's football, depending on whether you have 20 to 30 players or 50 to 60 players. Usually by now in the season, um, the the numbers are lower because of injury. However, um, different teams have different policies as to how many people travel with the team, how many people um, stay home or, or what the options are. Some teams, um, have it set up to where they travel when they're traveling far distances they eliminate a lot of the excess I don't want the excess baggage but excess personnel that don't have to be there the essential people so some teams go down to an essential team so they might travel 28 people 30 people at most sometimes it's 25 people and four coaches um, so, it can be a different, very different scenario depending on what team. Some teams say all of our players are going, all of our coaching staff's going. We're going to do whatever we have to do to fundraise, and that's how it's going to be. So, um, depending on the number of people that are on your team, you guys will typically decide between a, a bus. For travel, vans for travel, or automobiles. Those are the three main topics. Later on I'll get into flying because sometimes flying becomes essential, but I think that's more of an advanced topic to talk about at this point. So automobiles, vans, or buses. A lot of people in women's football want to do the buses. It sounds cool, it seems awesome, but I'll tell you what, uh, the buses are super, super expensive. Um, The trip that we took to, and this is not confidential information, so I'm more than happy to share it. The trip that we took from Dallas to Atlanta, just the bus cost was $5,000. So if you divide that up, um, if you have every seat taken, it's a 55-passenger bus, you're looking at about $95 a person. Um, it's It's not seriously bad if you have a person in every chair. But I'll talk about that as well. So depending on where you're going, it can be anywhere from 2,000 to 8,000 if it's a long long trip. Let's talk about why it would be a good idea for long trips to have a bus. The reason why is getting everybody there. They can sleep on the bus. You only have to have one driver. None of your employees or volunteers are the driver. It's actually the bus company that drives. And then depending on the distance will determine whether this is beneficial for you. Every time we do a trip, no matter what, I do a cost analysis of all of them. And that person's going to have to wait. Let me send them a message that I'm sorry I'm not available right now. Sorry about that. Um, So depending on the distance, you will want to determine which of these options are the one or two best for you. I do a cost analysis, like I said, and it doesn't have to be super in depth. Um, I've already set up a spreadsheet so that I've, I use every year every, for all four. Once I find out what our away games are, we do an analysis of what we're going to do as far as budgeting. But you don't have to do it that way. You can always do it on a dry erase board or, or kind of a maybe a chart or spreadsheet of some sort. Um, buses are great for turnaround trips so if it's a situation where you're looking at taking vans staying at a hotel taking vans back then a bus may be more beneficial if you can turn around and get people home and get them back in to their houses so they can get on to work so you might want to if you're going to maybe compare the apples to oranges because it is apples to oranges you want to include possibly a hotel trip if the if the trip is a significant amount of hours. So this is going to be ideal for, buses are going to be ideal for trips over five hours because if you can get there, play a game and get back, and you can do that in between 12 and 14 hours, you're probably not going to want to do a bus. But, I mean, it all depends on your funding and your... Um, your your team, what, what the needs of your team are. So this is, buses are not good, not, not, not good for less than 40 travelers. So of course you want to add in your players, your coaching staff, any support staff that needs to go. Um, some teams, and this is what we've done always is we, um, evaluate how many seats we're going to have on the bus. How many are going to be taken up by player and staff first? And then we will um, tell additional support staff or fans or friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses, children, that we have additional seats available for a certain amount of money um, there and back. Um, We've had people just drive one way, both ways, etc. I apologize for my voice, but I do a lot of talking, a lot of shows and a lot of uh, webinars, so sometimes throughout the week. Today's only Monday, but my voice is already starting to go. Um, Okay, so one of the big cons on a bus is if you have all of your 40 passengers on the bus and it breaks down, you can be in big, 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 big trouble, okay? Because you have to have, by the rules, well, by the rules of our league, there's, specifics as far as getting to the field and starting the game on time Um, so you'll need to look at your league rules and see how that could impact you sometimes it's beneficial to, to have some people go ahead of the bus in vehicles or in by plane or by van and get to the field so that somebody has actually gotten there before the bus one thing that I want to suggest is when you are researching bus opportunities is to connect with a larger bus company or a bus um, middleman. The reason why is if you go with a bus company that only has two or three or four vans or two or three or four buses or they're a local company say out of Dallas and you're traveling up to say Chicago, then if your bus breaks down Let's say you're in Little Rock, Arkansas. I don't know if you go through Little Rock, Arkansas to go to Chicago. Probably do. Um, But if you break down in Little Rock, some of these companies don't have replacement buses. So they would have to, you would have to sit in Little Rock until they brought another replacement bus from Dallas to get you on your way again. So if you're going to go with buses, I suggest going through either a bus middleman or um, some side, of, some sort of broker. Where if you break down in Little Rock, Arkansas, they have five or ten or twelve different options close to Little Rock where they can get a new bus to you, get your players on the road, and continue on. Because if you don't get to the game on time, it may be a forfeit. Okay. Um, let's talk about vans because these are my favorite, um, and the reason why is. There are some rental van companies that make it a win-win situation for me. So let's just talk about the benefits first and then I'll tell you why it's my favorite. So the estimated cost for a van is usually between 300 and $600 for a short, small trip, usually within five or six hours. This is a great option that offers variety for players. So again, we're in women's football. We have we have low finances, right? Um, but we also have players that have other jobs. So not everybody can take a Friday, Saturday, Sunday to go to a football game. Some people can, but others they're just driving in by the seat of their pants um, for the game, and then they have to leave out again to go back to work or whatever. So. The van off option offers um, the most flexibility, I guess you could say, for the least amount of cost. Um, and we'll we'll kind of go back and forth between the van and the automobile. Okay, so the van um, can also be really good for um, eliminating the need for hotels and or for adding a hotel in the middle of a long trip because the cost is so low compared to a bus that you can actually afford to do the hotels so depending on what your budgets are will depend so for example s- several years ago when we used when we had the lone star mustangs and the little rock wildcats and tulsa eagles we used vans a lot because we offered options for people to stay in hotels at the end of the, um, after after the game. So games were usually played at six, seven. Um, and so at the end of the game it would be about 10 o'clock. Nobody would wanna travel back, depending on the schedule, depending on where your away game is. Um, Sometimes you luck out and we get an away game in Arlington and we're in Dallas. So that's a no cost away game for us. So, vans are ideal for trips that are between 3 and 12 hours, I would say. Um, Anything shorter than 3 hours, I'm not sure that you'd want to do a van unless you have several people that just don't have transportation reliable enough or they don't want to drive by themselves. Um, You can get 12 and 15 passenger vans and then there's there's this other kind of midsection between the van and the bus. Some of them will go 27, 32, 34 passenger, um, but I wanna stick just to the bus and the van and not get into these intermediate uh, forms of transportation. So 12 to 15 passengers, technically most of the uh, teams in women's football can get away with two vans. If, they, if nobody was gonna take a plane or automobile, and everybody was riding in vans, you could get away with two, maybe three vans. And it's pretty easy to do in a a bigger city like Dallas, where you can go to a couple different places. Um, The con is that you're going to need multiple drivers. If you get two or three vans, you're going to need two or three drivers times two, because one person doesn't want to be the driver the whole trip there and the whole trip back. So I recommend getting two drivers uh, to pass on and off because people do even, even if they can drive a five hour trip, sometimes people get sleepy and, and it gets dangerous. And for liability purposes, you wanna make sure that that's a person that can be written onto the policy when you um, sign up at the minivan or at the van rental place. Um, another thing it could be issue, could be the maximum seating, you know, some teams are at thirty-five-ish, so a couple people need to drive. Sometimes what we'll, we'll do is have the coaches drive themselves, or people that ha- are bringing guests drive themselves, and then all the individuals get in the in the vans. The other thing you need to account for when you're driving in vans is multiple stops. Not everybody is ready to stop at the same time you are, so sometimes um, you just have, you just have to make six stops. Um, on the way because you have 15 people in the bus. Um, obviously six stops is not not ideal, but um, you can have four stops in four hours, um, but people need to get on and off and ready to go, but that's, that's all within your team. Um, this, like I said, the van option can be combined with hotel stays midway um, or to far destinations. Um, for example, the scenario with the Dallas to Chicago. Ideally, if everybody could get off work, um, technically people could lose, leave Thursday night. They could travel part way, stay in a hotel, travel the rest of the way, be refreshed and ready to go, um, depending on what your um, budget is and your type of travel. Um, and then uh, other scenarios for, for stragglers is what I call them the people that have to. Um, I have to stay for work or whatever. Um, sometimes we'll rent a van for a Friday and rent a van for a Saturday. And that way, uh, the the van that leaves on Friday takes all the people that can stay in a hotel. And the van that leaves on Saturday takes all those people that had to work up until the end. So that's an option. Um, okay, so let's real quick get into automobiles and then I'll tell you why the van, <laughs> I like the vans the most. Well, let me, let me just get into the vans real quick. One of the reasons I like the Vans is there are a couple of companies that allow unlimited mileage, and this is something you need to be really careful with. Sometimes people get really good rates, and then they don't realize or forget to check about mileage. Um, I know Budget Rental Car does mileage really awesome, unlimited mileage. Um, But the other thing you need to check out is also state-to-state. Some of these rental agencies, um, it's only within the state that they have you rent the vehicle. So you have to be really careful. Um, for example, if you're going from Texas to Louisiana um, and you get in an accident and your policy says that you this is a Texas only um, trip, um, this can be a, a big no-no. So before you, rather than break the law, of course, since I'm an attorney, I have to say this, but before you break the law, I would prefer you to go with a rental agency that meets all your needs of unlimited mileage and being able to go out of state before doing something like that. So real quick, let me get to automobiles, which of course is the least, least expensive, but um, can be a little bit crazy. Um, The estimated cost is between zero and $500, depending on which uh, football team you're with. Most teams do it where people just kind of carpool and um, it is what it, you know, four people get into a car, people pick and choose which cars they're going to be in, and they go down. And um, this is a really good idea for um, short distances. A lot Here in Texas, a lot of our travel is within five hours, except for, of course, this year, um, somebody decided to ask for a trip to Atlanta, um, but we won't talk about that on this. Um, but usually with Austin-Houston, Austin-Houston, Arlington, and Dallas, um, we have a really good situation on travel, uh, most of our longest travel being Houston. So we um, tend to use automobiles often. It's also great for multiple, multiple player travel options. Again, in our scenario, with Austin, Houston, Arlington, and Dallas, um, a lot of our players either live or are from or have been to these other places and they have family and friends in those locations. So traveling down there and staying the weekend or uh, staying with family members or going to a party afterwards um, offers a variety of different options. So we allow for the automobile because some people just wanna stay the whole weekend in Austin. Or they want to go to Houston because there's, you know, their family's going to be having a family reunion down there, whatever. Uh, so automobiles create a good option for those areas that have uh, multiple football teams within close proximity. It also is beneficial for players or teams that have players with multiple schedules. Again, some people can leave on Thursday if they want, Friday stay overnight. Um, For us to go down to Houston, people can leave at noon, get to the football game, play the football game and come back um, and be ready for work on Sunday if they really, really have to. They might be a little uh, sore or tired, but it's possible. Now the con with automobiles is making sure that everybody is in a reliable vehicle, On the the travel. Um, Just a real quick scenario that involves buses and automobiles, but way back in the day, I bought a bus for the Lone Star Mustangs and uh, made our first payment on it. It was brought down here, made it all the way down from Michigan. We thought it was gonna be great. Um, The bus broke down before we had even gotten down to South Dallas. Thank goodness we had several people that were traveling by car. They were they were already on their way to Austin. They were able to do a U turn, come pick us up in the bus, take us back to where we had parked our vehicles, and get people on the road. Um, actually, it wasn't it wasn't Austin because they would have given us an opportunity to. Um, start late. It was uh, the Houston Cyclones at the time. Um, we were told that we had to get there by the, the time the game started or we were going to forfeit the game. So we were hauling butt, breaking rules and uh, going about 90 miles an hour all the way to the game because by the time we got through this big fiasco of the bus breaking down and having to tow the bus and all this stuff, luckily we were able to get everybody to the game before the game started, and um, but that's just an, a good example of uh, making sure that we have reliable vehicles or transportation um, because if you don't get to the game in time, um, depending on the team and depending on the league, um, it can be taken very seriously that if you do not make it or you don't have enough players to start the game on time, that you can forfeit, forfeit the game. I'm gonna get on to my next topic. I just had to stop real quick to get my diet Pepsi here. A lot of times I do a lot of talking, so my, my throat goes in and out. Um, but it's the best way for me to get stuff done. It allows me to get a lot more done in a short amount of time. Let's talk about I'm gonna go here first. Um, So my our next topic is going to be about basic event planning and um, Typically that can be anything from an end-of-season party to a fundraising event Um, Some of the things we've talked about here on the radio show already was um, being the host of the football The football game so that's an actual you know event planning in itself um, I have templates that I use for that to make sure that everybody is able to get done what needs to get be gotten done um, for the game. But we also have other types of events that we do in women's football. Again, uh, women's football is like multiple five, six, seven businesses all in one. So I have a template that I use and I'm, I actually made an infographic for you guys and had somebody fluff it up for me, make it real pretty um, on my staff, so that um, you guys could have this for your records. This is a basic event planning template that we use when we are setting up um, upcoming events. And it can be used for a variety of these different events, so um, use it how you see fit um, and I, I hope that you guys get some benefit from it. If you don't use the colorful one, maybe you don't want to print off um, something, you know, and use your, your internet, or I'm sorry, use your colored ink for it. You can always, you know, just make a template like this um, similar. But what we usually do when we are doing it, once we've, dis, you know, we usually set out about 10 different dates for our events. Um, in a calendar ahead of time and then what we do is we lock in those events for different things that are coming up and I do what's called my foundational details for events and you guys feel free to use this for anything from your football games to fundraisers and I have about I have another thing that I'm going to show you here in a little bit or talk about and then put it on the website here about a couple different fundraising ideas Um, You're going to put in there um, who, what, when, where, why is what I call it, Um, who the event planning is for. Now, if it's a fundraiser, if it's end of season party, um, who is it going to be with, what is the event, date and time, where are we having the event, is there a website associated with the event, and if not, is it going to be on your website? Put that in there. And then if you're going to have any Facebook um, event or Facebook posts associated with it or other media, other social media, this day and age, it's all social media. There's very little other media, but I put that in there because some people still like flyers. Some people still like, um, you know, bulletin boards at different places around town. And then I get into objectives and goals, and we usually meet. As a group, two or three or four of us, depending on who's on your event planning committee. And we determine what the objectives are. Now, there's going to be different objectives. If this is an end of season party, that's going to have certain objectives. If this is a fundraiser party, that'll have other objectives. And if this is going to be maybe a raise funds for travel uh, event, it's going to have different objectives. So you're gonna approach things differently depending on what type of event you're planning. And then same thing with goals. You need to determine what your goal of the event is. Now, if it's an end of season party, usually it's an an event that has goals of uh, sharing recognition or or showing appreciation for people on your team and off your team that helped with the season. Um, whereas a fundraising event may would have different goals, more monetary or numerical goals. Once we've determined what our objectives are and then what our goals are, we try to figure out how we are going to be able to meet those goals. And what we do is we set out our pricing, our price points, and how we're going to promote. And so what I like to do is if it goes through different examples depending on what type of event you're doing. For example, an end-of-season party, if it's just going to be a party in an open venue, then you're not going to have different price points for VIPs and, and general admission unless you're going to have like individual tickets and full table sales. So somebody that buys a full table might pay $90 for the table, whereas somebody that pays for one ticket might pay $25 for a ticket, something like that. Um, When it comes to a silent auction or some other kind of event like that, then there might be different pricing or VIP. um, That might be at your game day sales, you might have a VIP section or if you're doing it in a theater format, there may be um, chairs with backs on them versus chairs with no backs. So that may determine your price points. And then let's talk about promotion. How are we gonna promote that? So again, in that committee setting, we're gonna set up two or three or five different ways of how we're gonna promote it. Um, And then I have another sheet that I use that I'll share with you guys later. Um, But you could even put in here who's responsible for those tasks. So everybody knows from the get-go, You know, oh, if we're gonna print flyers, well, who's designing the flyers? Well, who's printing the flyers? Well, who's distributing the flyers? Those are all things that go into just having flyers. And then finally, once the event has finished, we have a results section. Now, I have about three other pages that I use within um, our event planning. Like I said, the one that talks about um, tasks and responsibilities, and then we also have um, decoration and setup, etc., for the event. This just is the basic overview of a basic event who, what, when, where, why, what we're using as far as website and Facebook, social media, what our objectives are, what our goals are, pricing and promotion, how we're gonna meet those objectives, and then, this is a final results page, what were our costs, how much did it cost us to set up the venue, the cost of the venue, the cost of the promotions, how many people did we actually get there, and what was our gross profit, profit before taxes and all that. So that next time we go to have a similar event, we have this filed away and we can pull up, oh, wow, well, next time we did a fundraising event, it cost us this much. We only got this many people and this is how much money we made so that you kind of have a running tally of what's happening each year. So that as the years progress, you can determine which of these um, events are the most successful for you and you can focus on just doing those. So with that being said, real quick, I'm going to switch over, still on the same topic of event planning. The last thing I wanted to talk about is the um, little infographic that I put together uh, about six basic events for women's football. And the reason I did this is because obviously we talked about, you know, Women's football having to do a ton of fundraising um, because we're on our own as far as uh, raising funds for the team. And so the other infographic that I made that talks about basic. Event planning, um, I wanted to be able to share a couple of different ideas, a variety of things that you can use that for, but also to kind of get your mind thinking about different kinds of events that you could have um, with women's football. And so I'm going to post this on the website so you can do anything from a costume party um, to a plant sale a merchandise sale a private party some sort of outreach event like with a nonprofit Um, this year we partnered with Lancer Legacy Ranch it really had an impact on me we um, brought they had uh, Lancer Legacy Ranch is a veterans group that houses veterans and they built a workshop for veterans to learn new skills and maybe um, build things to sell for profit for income and they built the workshop but didn't have any tools so we reached out to them um, through another group that I'm with and our women's football was able to do a raffle and raise funds and also get volunteers to bring um, new and used tools for the organization. So that was really cool and then we're going to be doing some other things with them. And then finally doing any kind of fundraiser sales. Sometimes people do bake sales or uh, merchandise sales um, to get that done. Um, If you guys have any questions, I really appreciate it. Go to the super small biz backs and then go backslash women's football success you guys have a great day we'll talk to you later bye-bye